Sports meets beer. beer. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. What an exciting day. It is uh, it's a glorious day. It is. A beautiful day. <laughs> a day for the ages. I'll go that far and say yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, brother. <laughs> uh, no, uh, thank you very much. Sports Means Beer, episode number 11. Once. It's one louder than everybody else. Just when we need that extra, just that little bit of something extra, <laughs> we just go to 11. We go to one louder than everybody else. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's uh, good times. Welcome. Thank you for listening. If you haven't yet, please check out our uh, social media pages. We're talking Facebook. We're talking Instagram. Farmersonly.com? No, but J-Date's there. Uh, it would be, uh, and after that's Twitter. Right. And also our Gmail account. If you uh, would like to send us hate mail, praise mail, is there, I don't care. Is praise mail, like, is that, is it just something that... I just made that up right? Okay. <laughs> literally on the spot. All right, fair enough. No, I, I, I think <laughs> I could, I'd like to go with it. I think it's a good idea. Praise well, mail. you know, yeah, it's one of those things like, hey, you're doing a good job. Keep it up. Like, here's a high five. That'd be cool. I'm yeah. down with that. And then there'd be like a Christian spinoff called Praise Mail. You know what I mean? There we go. Or the P-Mail. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's not. That's not. Anyways, our uh, email address is sports meets M-E-A-T-S, beer at gmail.com. Please send us something. Let us know the account's actually working. That'd be great. That would be ideal. We'd appreciate that. A uh, quick follow-up from our last episode. Because really, not to interrupt you, Ben and I are tired of fighting over who's the one that signed us up for all the penile enlargement ads. <laughs> <laughs> not me, not, not me, me. Not, not it, me. not it, my P-mail account. Uh, but uh, our last episode, uh, <laughs> we uh, we talked, we bracketized some food. We are still doing this. Uh, we are going to bring those two food items, which was the uh, the Frank from the Fenway, Fen- Fenway Frank, Frank. And the Hammer the from hammer. Atlanta. I don't want to, I'm not going to come out of the gates, but there's already odds in Las Vegas about this. And I know that this, that's the fact because you my friend, were in Las Vegas. I was just in Las Vegas. I was. Uh, my wife and I snuck off for the weekend without the children. Oh, great. Uh, and it was, um, I mean, you know me, aside from my two restaurants, I'm not much of a gambler. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and this. But, uh, you know, and we really, we just kind of had drinks by the pool and ate ourselves silly and just really relaxed the whole weekend. It was awesome. I uh, saw a couple shows, um, which uh, we are not, we are not, uh, sponsored by any Vegas shows, but I'm going to go ahead and say this anyway. The uh, <laughs> Michael Jackson Cirque du Soleil performance is the greatest show of any kind I have ever seen. It what, is amazing. Was it a thriller? It was a total thriller. Nice. The way it made me feel. But was it bad? No, it wasn't. It was Who's great. Bad? It was great. Okay. It was great. All right. Yeah. It was a pretty young thing. I'll... Think of any other obligatory Michael Jackson songs <laughs> I can try to get at that title. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, had a great time in Vegas. Rolled back uh, on Sunday, took the extra day off. That's kind of the key. Oh, You're a big fan of that. I'm a huge fan of that. Come back on the one day, take another day to sort of get yourself acclimated back to life. Uh, and then I've been back at the restaurants and doing this thing. And then, you know, I spent two long, hard days at the restaurant. You know, uh, it was a long, hard two-day grind. So I felt like... You know, let's take the next day off and go to opening day. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Which is what Brad, we've done today. you really have, have done a lot in in forty eight hours. I think you need to, you deserve a rest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. So I can't say much either. I'm like, I'm off on Mondays as it is, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, and here I am. I'm like, yeah, I know the game starts at one thirty, but I'm gonna go ahead and take the whole day off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what kind of an asshole only works for like two hours? <laughs> Not this asshole. Not this asshole. <laughs> anyway. Uh no yeah great day opening day uh yeah we're we're just getting back in the studio here we're uh, watching all the pregame festivities up on the projector here in the studio for Warriors Spurs yeah we'd actually yeah we failed to mention that so I'm gonna I'm gonna post a quick picture like in case anyone thinks we're just fibbing and not telling the truth we are literally projecting the game onto the wall which is kind of cool it is pretty cool. First world problems, but uh, it's one of those things where uh, obviously big implications from from Warriors, um, which we've know. actually we've actually uh, we had some really good conversations about this today. Um, I think I think we should talk about this delicious beer that we've had. That's a nice departure from what we drank most of the day. Kind of uh, showcase some of the stuff that we talked about prior to the game today, right? Instead of what we did from the parking lot, and because uh, I don't think we can replicate that quality content again, quite frankly. 
No. Um, and, and it's one of those things, you know, noticing, uh, you know, baseball today, uh, what beers you're going to tailgate with, all those things. And we kind of, unfortunately, you know, I packed a cooler. Not unfortunately. I mean, I packed the cooler the night before. Um, I have uh, a little bit of resource to some beer that was, uh, you know, uh, I should say leftover. Woohoo! But uh, it was uh, a, my great treat to uh, sit there and, and actually look through the the fridge and the archives and, and pick out some good stuff. I mean, so in the in the hopper, um, and we had some you know some people stop by today. We at, did at our tailgate. We did. Which is I wouldn't even call it a tailgate, but at our at our the bumper of my truck, um, and so you know out of the the course of the 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 ice chest there was literally there was you know we had some American light loggers we had some Coors lights in there, uh, we had uh, Anchor Brewing had a uh, their California lager, both those are in cans, a um, bunch of stuff from Sierra Nevada we had the Sierra Torpedo, we had the Sierra uh, Nooner we had the Sierra Torpedo. Torpedo, Nooner, yeah, no, yeah, Torpedo, Nooner, oh, Ultra Base as well. Uh, anyway, the one beer everyone wanted to steal, the one be- I only had one bottle of, yeah, was this. Literally uh, everybody, every single person reads like, "Hey, what's this watermelon Dorado from Ballast Point?" Uh, we still have yet to crack that, so we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But uh, on this day, we were drinking a couple things in, in in the beer in front of me right now. Sierra Nevada, their Nooner Pilsner, um, you know. Craft Pilsner, this is not a, a, a huge stretch, right? This is not something new. But really, any brewery worth their salt is going to make a decent one. Um, I'm a big fan of, of uh, you know, if you go to the, the regional craft beer breweries, um, you know, Lagunas Pilsner is delicious. I think this one but definitely in a, in punches just as well as that one does. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, you know, this is uh, very easy, very light drinking. So this was a, this was a very good beer for tailgating. I agree. I, uh, as a barbecue guy, pilsners um, tend to uh, permeate the barbecue scene in a lot of ways. It's you know, if you sort of look historically at um, you know the culture in you know Texas and whatnot, the Texas style of barbecue, you know, sausage making and whatnot, it's very uh, Bavarian German, and so these pilsner style beers are um, a big part of um, the the food history of that part of the country. So they pilsners always seem to show up when you're talking about like great food pairings, food and beer pairings, and so. It only stands to reason that it's a great drinking beer for right. your tailgate, your grilling dogs, or doing your thing. I mean, this is uh, so we're talking about a five point two ABV beer. I mean, literally almost no IBUs, thirty eight. So I mean, this is this is definitely like a tailgate slammer. Um, the reason I picked this, I mean, normally I would I would choose this uh, particular beer in a, in a can would be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one's in bottles. But it's one of those things where you know poured into plastic cups, we're able to walk around. Um, but it made for a great day. Very light, very easy. Um, you know, just really good color, really good. You know, it's a filtered, filtered product, filtered beer. Um, you know, really good off, off white head on it. It's just one of those things where it just it's just an easy marriage of, of of flavor to a tailgate. And it's one of those things. You know, I you know we walked by some tailgates earlier, and these guys are struggling. You know, granted we're in San Francisco, and it's you know it was sixty eight degrees today. Spectacular! Oh yeah, beautiful day in SF. But these guys are sitting there struggling. These IPAs, these really big IPAs, doubles and things like that. And it's like, man, that you know, that's a great beer when you're having something at home. But when you're doing something like this, where you know you're starting early and you're going to end late, and there's a good chance you have to fight two yeah. to two and a half hours of traffic. I mean, at the end of the day, it's one of those things where, like, why would you want to get all hopped up on something like that? I think this is a, a much much easier play because it's not. You know, if you people want to poo poo the. The uh, American Light Lager beers, you know, big beer companies, and it doesn't matter if it's something like you know Coors, Bud Miller Coors, or if you're against you know the the Modelo and the Pacificos of the world, it doesn't matter. I, I think all those beers serve their purpose. Yeah, absolutely. But this is something if you are looking, if you're going to have a tailgate, you're going to watch, you know, I don't care if it's you know baseball, basketball, football, whatever. Uh, this is something that's going to please your craft person, and also and as. Uh, Rock's dad said, "She's, you know, he's, he wasn't necessarily into into that lager, but he tried it and liked it. So, yeah, I don't know. It was one of those things. Pretty cool. So, this beer is really delicious. I talked a lot about it. Brad drank a lot about it. I did, I did. I filled up my hollow leg, but uh, real good. Anyways, yeah. Moving on from there, we should probably uh, probably roll into our first break. Uh, talk about our our tailgate segment. 
Yep. Literally. Yep. On the edge of my truck tailgate. Yep. And we'll uh, we'll come back. We'll be back in a few minutes. Take care. Or take care. What was that? Uh, yeah, that was a preemptive. Had, like that was a preemptive sign off. I'm like, had, all right, good. Had, show's over. You had better segues. Total. Yeah. Better than the seg. You picture of you on a segue. Yeah. No. Even better than that. Oh, man. All right. Well, <laughs> take a quick break. We'll be right back. Word. Hold up, sir. Word. Yeah. To all the killers and the hundred dollar billers. Ain't no such things as halfway cooks. I tell you, man, every time she gets me with the hooks. So there I'm like paying attention. She's snapping. Hey, hey, let's go. Go time. You know he's lying because he's never paying attention. Exactly. So we're sitting here in the studio. Uh, we are getting ready. Uh, we're sort of waiting for the uh, tip-off Warrior Spurs. We had, as we said earlier, we, we had a chance to hang out at opening day today. We um, had the best intentions. We The best intentions. We Our plan was this. We were going to leave Sonoma County where we live early. Well, let's, yeah, leave early. We're going to drop the kids off at school, yep. literally. Yep. Yep. That's, not a, that's not a metaphor for anything else. All right. Children at school, hit the road, food ready, I, I you know, the ice chest ready, everything. Yeah. And uh, again- Intentions were good, and then uh, I will give you a very short, abridged version of what happened. The restaurant there was mild, um, mild crises that needed to be managed. <sighs> Joe, uh, no, 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 <laughs> uh, mild crises that needed to be managed. So I was running a few minutes behind. We ended up getting on the road at nine rather than the eight thirty that we'd originally planned. So not horribly behind schedule. But as you know, every minute that you were fall behind on your agenda, especially going to a sporting event, means you're going to pay for it forty five minutes. Down the road. Yeah, something like Yeah, exactly. So we showed up. We had a very specific parking lot we were going to pull into, parking lot A. Um, we pulled into parking lot A only to discover that there were um, A, no parking spots, and B, the parking lot that we were we were going to get uh, was going to be on the other side of it and also uh, inside a pier. The hangar. <laughs> yeah, like legit. If you will. Like a legit, it was, I believe it's called Pier 28, if I'm not mistaken. 60, something like that. 68, I don't know. Whatever doesn't matter. Not important. Uh, we ended nah, up nah, a, not going to work here anymore. We ended up having to park in there. So uh, what we thought we'd be in the middle of all this, you know, hyper energy and people barbecuing and drinking beers and hanging out and you know we would just be part of the the party. We were in the, the <laughs> we were in the cave really. We were on timeout. Was basically, oh, it. we were in a hangar. You couldn't see anything. Couldn't hear anything. It yeah. was bad. Yeah. It, so yeah. You know, we had some some close friends of ours came by. It was fun. I mean, you know, we still were we were still able to take advantage of the time tailgate. We had some beers. We had the usual um, barroom banter, as it were. The energy was good because people were driving in. They were excited. People had their music going. Right. But it just wasn't quite the same. You know. Just, I really appreciate those four people that stopped by today. Right. I just tell you that. Right. Uh, I think it was. New- only, I think it was only three. Boot. Oh, no, 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 that's right. No, I disagree. Forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Richie Large, yeah, Rock, Rock's dad. Art, right? Yeah. Uh, and then Katie and I Katie's for, boyfriend. That's I, five. We I forgot five about people. Katie and Katie's boyfriend who rolled his jeans up. Right. I forgot about them. Correct. Um. So yeah. So without further ado, let's uh, let's we're gonna go yeah. ahead. And, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead. Yeah. And, this and, is us at the tailgate talking. In talking prob- sports. We talked yeah. uh, about uh, opening day. We talked about the Warriors. We talked about the national title game. Uh, we and we drink. We, we have a stat guy. We do. Uh, <laughs> except. Stack guy, that guy got it wrong out of the gate. That guy got it wrong. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, here's our tailgate session. Sports meets beer. beer. We are here. It is opening day. Man, the excitement in the crowd—it's palpable. There's like tens of us in here. Tens of of us. Yes. Yeah, there's, there's literally. I count. Yeah, seven, eight, nine, ten. You're right. Good time. Uh, yeah, today's show uh, had we much uh, debate about it. A lot of uh, lack of anticipation of planning. Uh, this was going to be a, our debut event, and uh, unfortunately, a couple things fell through. So here we are, leaning on the back of my truck with uh, <laughs> busted ass tables in the back. Uh, the beer is lukewarm. Uh, our only good one good friend showed up. Charlene had to because we're paying her. Uh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Didn't say how much. Anyway, uh, good day. It's opening day. It doesn't all this stuff doesn't matter, right? No, it right. certainly doesn't. 
it doesn't matter for a number of reasons. I mean, as we're driving in here, the reason uh, all this stuff delayed is the, the traffic was a nightmare, obviously. Welcome to San Francisco. But, uh, you know, the the amazing part is just seeing everyone tailgating out there, getting ready. It's just, I mean, I've seen like three Dodger shirts at best. Everyone is geared up. Everyone's rolling. It it looks like to be a good day. Uh, this really is my, my happy place, the ballpark. Uh, you get to open up against your arch rival. That's always good. It, it's, uh, you know, it's... It's a little nerve-wracking. You're either going to open up the season on a really good note or you're going to feel like the season's already finished, you know, even though you're literally 150th of the way through the season. Um, you know, and the Dodgers are rolling right now. They feel pretty good about themselves. They are coming they, in. They do have the confidence right now, and that's – it's sometimes it's one of those things where it's going to make the win that much better, but it's also a little scary. Let's not get ourselves. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. They literally just beat what my buddy called the San Diego Rule Fives. There's a bunch of guys from the Rule Five draft. They – uh they, uh, you know, they, they, the Padres didn't score one run in a three-game series because they're terrible. This will be embarrassing. That is just that's an embarrassment. And I've got ties to the Padres. I really respect the organization, but man, that is just horrible baseball. Well, the thing is, it's not like the the Dodgers were dominant. I watched most of all three of those games. It's not like the Dodgers pitching outside of Kershaw was dominant. It's just how many times can Padre hitters swing at the first pitch and ground it to second and everything else. But I will say this. I'm looking forward to this game. It's opening day. You know, it's like it's really it's the the manifestation of spring life, life anew, as it were. You know, we talked about this on the show previously. You know, the Giants, you know, they won the winter. You know, they're big free agent signings. That doesn't always translate well to big, you know, to big things for the for the actual season. You know, Boston tried to do that last year. That's not working out. In fact, uh, their big free agent signing last year was Pablo Sandoval. and He's sitting on the bench now. <laughs> Uh, you know, San Diego tried to do it last year. None of the, most of those guys aren't even on the team. And Matt, biggest, biggest spending spree and, and, and almost zero, uh, you know, zero outcome from it. It just didn't help them one bit. Well, they signed, they, they paid big money to James Shields, who wasn't even the opening day starter. They uh, traded a lot of prospects away for Matt Kemp, who's doing nothing. They traded a lot of prospects away for Will Myers, who's doing nothing. They got uh, Will Middlebrooks, who I don't even think is in the bigs anymore. Um, you know, so the, the winning the winter doesn't always translate. But, you know, the Giants, they went into Milwaukee. They took two out of three. You know, Cueto looked good. Denard Span looked good. Samarja had some trouble yesterday. You know, but I think also part of that is it's tough to sweep a team, especially on the road. Uh, totally. I mean, that's one of those things. And, and just, you know, like going back to what you said, winning in the winter. I mean, a lot of, you know, the free agency signings, um, it, it builds excitement around your team. Uh, fortunately, we are in an even year. Uh, which is going to just that just perpetuates uh, that theory even more. Uh, but it's one of those things where, you know, you got to come out of the gates hot. This is this is an important game. But the first this first month, because if they start tanking and start uh, not doing so well, it, you know, this is it's going to deflate the season very quickly. Yeah, I uh, I have a few friends that are Dodger fans, uh, including my business partner. Uh, and we we go back and forth about this kind of stuff all the time, and it is the same old story. They are, um, if I may be so crass, I believe that perhaps they may have won the winter and have had ribs surgically removed so that they can bend over and suck their own dicks because that is all they have done for four straight days. It's just, it just talk about how great the Dodgers are and how they're already going to win the division because the San Diego Rule Fives had trouble scoring runs. Now, that is, you know, Richie here pointed out, that's historic. That's never happened. Right. Ever. But – you know, listen, you're 150th of the way through the season. I'd like to remind the Dodger fans that in 2000, and, uh, I believe it was 2012, uh, that they started out the season 9-1 and one against Pittsburgh and San Diego and then played one game under 500 the rest of the way and lost the division by eight games. So I can't remember who they lost the division to. Wait, yes, I can. So in any case, I, I just say it's a real early in the season. That's ultimately what I'm getting at. Well, you know, and I respect the fact I, I, rep- I appreciate – uh, the loyalty, fan loyalty, is is a big thing, and we, you know, we obviously touched on this when we talked about bandwagon fans. This is something uh, that I respect you Dodger fans for. However, this is, uh, and I know there's every demographic, every fan does the same thing, but it, it, you've got a few wins under your belt. Like, you know, let's pretend like you've been here before. You know, it's one of those things. I know you really haven't in a while, but just you know, let's can we just please step, take a step back and realize that this is, you know, the game. This game has just begun. Well, they have been here before. They're really good in April and May and June and July. But pretty much fast August 1, yeah. it's 
Not so much. Yeah, it's like they get a super strain of dysentery every year, right around October. Just poop in the bed. Nightmare, oh nightmare. So we're excited to go down there. We actually we have a, another uh, big event going on this evening. We have a uh, Warrior Spurs tonight, which wasn't supposed to be a big event until the Warriors somehow have started to uh, struggle. I mean, it's the end of the year. They're probably getting a little bored. Um, you know, they, you know, Minnesota's an up and coming team. Boston's well coached. You know, it should have been a game that that San Antonio didn't show up with the starters for, and now because they have a chance, to, yeah. Change it's changing up big time, and the momentum has shifted. And, and I tell you, I mean, this is—I uh, have a coworker that literally purchased tickets to this game uh, at the very beginning of the season just because it worked out for their schedule. And uh, you know, he's not a big basketball fan, but I tell you what, he's like, "What? What do you think about this game? What do you think about how to, you know, how to get there? What do I do?" And I said, "Dude, I go. Normally, you'd leave a few hours early. I go. I try to leave at noon. This is the the importance of this." game is so it's so on the line I go and that stadium is alive and loud to begin with it is going to be shattering today it is going to be the game and he's got lower like he bought lower seats for like $95 or something you know ridiculously inexpensive and now this is shaping up to be the game if not the bet probably better than the playoffs well it uh, you know it certainly will be because it also means that if you know they, the Warriors, will, if they win tonight, they'll only be the, se- the second team in history to win 70 games. So it's a historic game no matter what. Um, and I've actually, I have to be honest with you, I've actually just was uh, corrected by our boy Richie here. It was not in fact, uh, it was not in fact 2012 that they. Uh, Is he our yeah, it was. Guy? Wait, hold on. Yeah, our stat guy. Our stat guy got it wrong. Yeah, I'm fairly. Yeah, twenty. It was either I believe it was twenty twelve. It was either twenty twelve or twenty fourteen. The Dodgers started nine and one against San Diego and, the, and Pittsburgh, and they ended up. Let me check the back of my pickup and see if I have a laptop back here to verify this. Nope, everything but. Is it written on? Is it written on the newspaper that's rolling around the ground right there? No. Oh, damn it. Anyway, yeah, you know what? The thing with the Warriors is, you know, they, to be honest with you, I think the biggest hope for the Warriors is that, you know, they can win this game tonight and just end it, and then you know push those games as much as you can, you know, because I think if the Warriors win tonight, then you're not going to see San Antonio starters at home in two days or three days because they don't want to get beat at home going into the playoffs. That's a bad momentum swing. So I think the Warriors are really going to push this tonight to try and take it to the, you know, to try and, you know, clinch the number one seed to get the 70th win. And then you may not see them put the pedal to the metal for the rest of the season, but, you know, you've got to beat Memphis, and here's why. Memphis is literally rolling out six dudes that were in the D-League to open the season. They have so many injuries on that team. And if they keep losing the way they've been losing, they're going to fall to the eighth seed. So you're going to get a Warriors-Memphis matchup to open. And you're talking about the types of games where, you know, you're going to have four or five days to get ready for this game, four or five days to get ready for game one. Then you're going to have a day off in between each game, two days off for travel when you have to go back to Memphis against these types of teams, you're going to talk about resting some of your best players for the fourth quarter for most of the series. You're going to get yourself fresh for round two, which very likely could be against the Clippers, and then eventually, you know, the, the finals, which could be, you know, against the Spurs, you know, hopefully. So it's a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal. It, it really will set the tone for how the rest of the, you know, do you want to cruise into the playoffs or do you want to kind of back into the playoffs? And, you know, we said it a few weeks ago. How crazy is it that you're going to win 70 games and you still might not get the number one seed? That, yeah, it, that's, that to me is the most mind-boggling thing is that, you know, that, that sort of uh, accomplishment is, is, you know, it's still up a question mark. Like, how, how do you, you know, you roll through, you steamroll through teams. I mean, some of these epic, epic, epic games, and, and, and you're still not clinching. It's, to me, it's just it's crazy. But at the same time, I think, you know, we, we talked on the drive down, uh, we spoke on the drive down, um, that, you know, the you can definitely see fatigue setting in. So hopefully they can bring it tonight uh, and then at that point manage the game properly so that all the key players can get rest can relax, can go into this thing and just get tuned up for ready for because there's no doubt that they can bring it. We've seen it all season. They can they can come alive and all of a sudden you're you know lights out after 15 you know 15 20 shots and they're they're up on you. So it's one of those things. I I, I have no doubt they'll do well, but at the same time I'm just I, I just see the exhaustion and hope that it doesn't uh, play a toll tonight in the game. Well, you know I think it's it's really funny you know how far the Warriors have come as a franchise where you know. We're at a point where, oh, my God, they've lost two games at home all year and we're freaking the hell out, just freaking out. So, you know, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of panic in the air because it seems like a really bad time to kind of take a dump. But, you know, the reality is these guys have been so good and so much better than most of the league for so long now that we're just not used to seeing, you know, we're just not used to seeing them, 
uh, you know, have any kind of struggles. You know, and some of these some of these other teams that are going to make a run for the finals are just they're reaching their peak right now because they're well coached. You know, the Boston had a good game plan, and the Warriors without Iguodala, you know, they're they've struggled in a lot of games. They've happened to win them, but Boston just happens to be better coached than most, so they're able to take advantage. You know, Minnesota is young and they're athletic, and you know they were making shots, and the Warriors turned the ball over 20 plus times, and Minnesota took advantage. It's just one of those things. You know, they have nothing to lose at this point, right? As you get closer and closer, and then into the playoffs, you get more teams with something to lose. So. Um, you know, the Warriors are truly more talented than just about everybody in the league, so that will be able to hold sway. Um, and the th- I think the last thing we need to discuss here is the uh, national title game. Um, I am here. I had a big breakfast of crow this morning uh, and for a few days since. I did nothing but uh, completely downplay the quality of play. Poo-poo. Yeah, just poo-poo. All over the quality of play for the uh, in college basketball and the March Madness tournament. And um, I am here to tell you that this past week, Villanova, North Carolina, put together one of arguably one of, if not the best title game I've seen in my lifetime. You're going to have a, th- a a terrible three, by the way. Just, I don't know. For those of you who watched it, you can. The kid Page makes a three-pointer late in a possession that he has no business taking. He's a terrible shooter. He double clutches. He had other opportunities to make the pass, and he still took the shot anyway. And then makes it. If he takes that shot like early in the game, Roy Williams is losing his mind at that kid and pulls him out of the game. Right. Like that's not a shot you should be taking. But he makes it, and it's late. seconds, North Carolina chooses to not press or face guard the ball. They're able to bring the ball down, and then Archidinacchio, or Archidinacchio, the point guard for Villanova, finds a wide open, probably the best shooter in the Big East, wide open to take a three as time expires, and he hits no rim, just nothing but the bottom of the net. It was, it's crazy, that doesn't, it doesn't happen in those games. Mixed, missed, or made shots don't happen very often, most of the time, let alone like a finish like that. Most, you usually have a bunch of guys that, a bunch of guys that take shits. Yeah, you know, I I unfortunately missed the game, but obviously saw it on uh, on uh, Sports Center, and uh, you know, it's one of those things where this this was absolutely uh, a very memorable tournament for a number of reasons. I mean, obviously, we talked early on about Michigan State just you know shitting it for everyone else, but it was one of those things where that game that end was impressive. Uh, you know, it's it was it was awesome, and I really can't speak to the volume of of. Uh, you know the impact. Like I said, I'm still just a, uh, I'm a tailgate fan more than anything else. But man, what a what a great way to finish the game and and just it was very exciting because that's what we talked about ultimately is that the play isn't exciting, the play is sloppy, and although there was some sloppy play to be sure, but it still was a very fun game and it was very 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 entertaining. So it brought its, uh, yeah, it brought it out. Um, and and yeah, Richie, our stat man here, uh, also mentioned uh, early on. I, I believe I said nothing beats a wildcat. So technically, I'm a prophet. I called the whole thing. Right. Well, it, it's true. You did. <laughs> you did. I think it's uh, it's it does not. It bears mentioning that the team that won uh, on their 12 man roster had seven seniors on it. Uh, and that in this day and age with, you know, the one and done being such a problem, a team that is cohesive for four years, you've got guys that have played together that know the system. They're the team that turned around and won and made the big plays. Because remember, North Carolina at one point was up 12 points in that game. So it's not like it's not like Villanova squeaked the win out. They stormed back from 12. They got up 11, um, 11 points, of, you know, in their own right in the second half. And then North Carolina made a couple big shots. But, you know, we've said a couple times on the show, it's the tournament's about great guard play and it's about weathering the storm. So every team's going to make their run. You know, the truly great teams are the ones that can survive or sustain their own run and survive the other team's run. And Villanova very clearly did that. They just, they held their composure throughout the whole thing. It was very impressive. And, you know, um, you know, all the athletes that are playing for North Carolina, um, you know, the, the, the seniors, the guys that didn't get drafted right out the gate are the ones that fundamentally went into the lane, made big shots in the lane, made big jumpers, you know, made the defensive plays when necessary. I mean, it was uh, it was well done. And now North Carolina can go back to taking all their fake paper classes. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, talk a little bit about beer, and uh, talk a little bit about uh, beer. We're and, then, watch, we're watch and then we're going to watch some goddamn baseball. Right. America. All right, welcome back. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed listening to us in a in a cave, yeah. in, a, in an empty church. <laughs> I I'd like to think that if we recorded in the Bat Cave, that's what it would sound like. Yeah, I think it would. I mean, basically, two guys talking and Batman's nowhere to be found. Yeah, I think that's exactly <laughs> what it would sound like. Not bad. 
Oh, goodness. Well, you know, after having heard that and then, you know, knowing where we are now and after having watched the game that we watched, which, if, as you're listening to this, um, the, it was uh, opening day. Giants went on. They were down four runs in the sixth inning. Right. And they then went on. A term you never really use in baseball. They went on a twelve to two run to close the game out, and they ended up winning twelve to six. I remember looking at you in the fourth, and you're like, "It's it's early, it's early, it's early," and I'm yeah. like, "No, I see if you want another beer." But okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. The score's crazy. Well, there were two Dodger fans, as we referenced in the uh, cave discussion, that uh, <laughs> you know Dodger fans typically, you know they they like to. They like to get pretty proud of themselves awfully early, and there were two guys that were in the section we were in that were that were starting to jaw. They were oh, starting man. to talk early, and then lo and behold, you know, five. They runs. didn't have bats in their hands, but I guarantee if they had one, there'd be a bat flip somewhere involved there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's amazing to me. You know, uh, you know, after watching, after being a part of that game today, you know, there was some, you know, some concern. You know, the Dodgers had, you know, like we said, they they. They come in. They hadn't given up a run in three games. You know the Giants struggled a little bit against Milwaukee pitching. Uh, who the hell is pitching for Milwaukee? You know, <laughs> in come the Dodgers. The Dodgers have won the division each of the last three years. Um, you know, you're there's some you know some real concern. But you show up and you see the fireworks going off, and there's you know there's standing room only tickets. They don't do that for just any game, right? You know, but I tell you, walking in, I mean. We've been a part of a lot of tailgates, personally. Yeah. Uh, but it's one of those things where, especially opening day, man, it just there was like there's a there was a great feel today. The tailgate game was fire, as oh. the kids say. <laughs> it was fire. Yeah, there was some good look. At, there was some good tailgates going on today. Um, what? Nice, good looking tailgates. Yeah, there were. Yeah, totally. There were. Um, but yeah, you know, if the Giants had lost today, if they, you know, if they had, if they they score a couple of runs and they lose four three. There's a much different feel in the in the air in the city, right? They win. It's it's one one hundred and sixtieth of the season. This, that's all this game makes up. Right. But still, there's just a different atmosphere, a different vibe. It just seems to mean so much. Um, and so, you know, it's not often that you can you can sense when a game changes in baseball. It's not like there aren't always like these seminal moments where you go. Oh yeah, when he took that, you know, when he drew the walk, that was the change in the game. It's always like when that guy got the error and then the next hit came through, that was the difference in the game, right? Right. It's not always that you can it's not often that you can look back and say that, especially when the difference in the game didn't necessarily score a run. But when the Giants the Giants drew a walk in the 5th inning when they scored, when when uh, I can't remember who did it now, when they when they drew a walk and then moved over Moved over to second and then scored on a single, like on consecutive batters. It, there was suddenly rhythm to the Giants' offense, and it felt like, it felt like you know the momentum had changed, and they were still at that point down three runs. It was amazing. Well, yeah, and and the crowd, as you mentioned, the crowd came alive as if all of a yeah. sudden the, the the you know the 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 score had been reversed. But it's it's going into those first four innings. It was very quiet. I mean, it was one of those things where it was. I don't know if it's just settling into to what they know and and what you know the Giants fans know, but it's I, I've been in enough games to sit there and go, well, this isn't norm. Like normally well, it's just one of those things. I just felt like it was very quiet. It was very uh, subtle. Just it, we sat there, and then once the bat started coming alive, then it was the onslaught. Well, it was one of those things where, um, you know, the Giants were getting up and they were seeing like five pitches in an inning through the first four pitches. Right. I think Alex Wood had only thrown 30 or 40 pitches going into the fifth inning. It wasn't very much. And so, um, you know, and the, whereas uh, Jake Peavy was having a hard time finding the strike zone, so he was throwing a lot of pitches. So it felt like the Giants were not up very often and that the Dodgers had runners on a lot early in the game, right. which they did. I mean, they had four runs, for God's sake. But, yeah, it just felt – it felt weird, like the Dodgers were dominating that game, and then all it took really was one walk and one single. That was it, man, and that, that you felt the game change. Right. And even when, I don't know why Sergio Romo was in there facing a lefty, he can't get lefties out, and Jock Peterson hits one about 700 feet to dead center to make it 7-6 to six at that point, right? And uh, make it 7-6. to six. Even then, you felt like, yeah, you know what? It doesn't matter. They got this game. You felt yeah. It felt like there was no, it, like even the one-run lead was insurmountable. And then, you know, Hunter Pence hits a grand slam, and it proved to not oh be goodness. worth it. But that was nuts. In any case. Well, yeah, awesome, awesome day. I mean, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, if you if you haven't done it, please do. Opening day it's for any day. sport, especially baseball. 
is so important and it's so you can just see it in everyone's faces. I mean, there's little kids there. I'm sure their parents are either homeschooling or whatever, but they were there. They're not missing a day of school for this, but they should. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um anyways, the, the 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 point is great day, great times. Um, you know, much thanks to uh and it and here's the thing is, you know, um the segment of our show about beer, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you know, Miller Coors, our friends at Miller Coors got us there. Uh, and as well as things. So, uh, you know, poo-poo, big beer if you want. But, man, when they come up with tickets. Ice cold Miller Lights. Yeah. All, all we could drink. It was great. <laughs> um, but speaking of other beers, so speaking of kind of that that uh, that poo-poo and, and, and the whole thing of craft beer and big beer, you know, one of the funny things, because we had, you know, we had some drive time down this morning. Uh, and we want to talk about the beers we were doing, which, you know, normally are, are a little bit more thought out, um, if not thought out, planned out. And this one was like, whatever we have left. Yeah. Okay, whatever Whatever's left over in the cooler. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where there was one beer, obviously we'd mentioned earlier, the, the Watermelon Dorado, which we're trying now. But, um, yeah, you know, you... Uh, which all I different be- Yeah, get in there. Um, but we the, the interesting conversation came up, which is, you know, talking about how a lot of beer snobs in general like to smack oh. on... No, dude. Uh-huh. No. Really? You don't like it at all? No. Uh, Watermelon yeah. Dorado, you have broken my heart. We should have let everybody drink that today. Well, it's you know what's funny? Um, so before I go on my tangent here. I apologize. No, I no, no. So, like, Bow's Point is my favorite brewery. Like, literally. Touch of gold. They've had a touch of gold for a long time. For a but long time. I agree. Um, the Watermelon Dorado is an absolute miss. Um, keep in mind, this is Dorado. The Dorado, the Dorado itself is a 10% double IPA. Tremendous. It's tremendous. Great beer, drinks well. This obviously is a subsidiary of that. And they, they boast about using, you know, fresh watermelon, all those things. And boy, you sure get it in the front, but it's, you know, a lot of the, and the reason I chose this beer is because I've had a lot of industry friends tell me how bad this beer is. And I'm like, it can't be that bad. There's no way it can be that bad, and in fact, it is that bad. It's horrible. It's his. It's his. Um, it's you know. It sounds like a. It feels like a Jolly Rancher fucked a hop field. Oh my god! It's just bad. It is. And I. Bad. And the thing is, I. I normally I love like we said before, you know hop, or Jesus, there's a fly around here. Um, Bow's Point. No, thank you. Bow's Point does do a great job on everything. I mean, I've loved everything they've put out. Yeah, I. I mean, the, even the even the peppermint, which was confusing for everybody, the peppermint victory at sea, because everyone thought it was going to be like a candy cane, but it ended up being like that really herby, right? Like peppery, like and peppermint. This is the exact opposite. I expected way more subtle watermelon, not a little tiny candy on my tongue, and that's when you first get that. It's just that overwhelming candiness, and then it you breathe out. Um, I wonder what it'd be like if you plug your nose and taste it. It's like drinking beer through a stripper shoe. He's literally plugging his nose and drinking it. You know that before? Yeah, I've done it. It uh, it still ha- it's got it still has the remnants of a Dorado. You definitely, as soon as you open your nose, you get the watermelon, but doesn't help the cause at all. It's just just this beer would be too big on a hot day. Um, it makes me sad. The only thing when I, when I talk about watermelon beer, I mean Twenty First Amendment reigns supreme with their watermelon wheat. Um, and this is nowhere close in comparison. That one's a, such an easy session beer. This one's not not good at all. And uh, I'm very sorry. Earl from Bell's Point, I hope you're listening. I know you're not, but at the end of the day, this is a, this is a miss. Huge miss. Listen, man, you're like 998 for 1,000. I'm sure. I'm sure there's another one maybe. Right. That, but, the, yeah. Ooh. So back to my, what we were talking about on the way in with, with beer uh, companies. You know, most people – um, we'll start talking about a, 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 you know, a craft beer, right? Craft beer, craft beer. Um, that's a new hot word. Uh, not so long ago, it was called a micro beer. Um, so for anyone who's like a millennial and younger, your parents always referred to it as a craft <laughs> or a micro beer, micro um, brew. right? A micro brew, um, which is such an, it's, it's now it's such an antiquated, uh, term. I mean, mainly that was one of those things where that referred to your what you could do your barrelage every year. Your old school, like I don't, I, old school is wrong, but like your Chili's Olive Garden, um, 
Red Lobster, like those types of places, yeah. they still on their menu say 32 ounce micro brews, right. you know, happy hour for, you know, just for a nickel. Yeah. But it's micro. So when, when you talk about a micro brew, um, that's something that uh, the, the Brews Association, um, you know, it's segmented at being 15,000 barrels or less. And a barrel of beer, just so we're clear, uh, when you get a keg, right? Most people have seen a keg. That's 15.5 gallons. A barrel of beer is 31 gallons. That's that's what a true barrel is. So when when you when you when you hear these measurements, um, and it, maybe you're paying attention, maybe you're not. Um, a measurement of uh, you know a barrel of beer or 15,000 barrels of beer. Well, you know that really means that means 30 30,000 kegs, right? Kegs yep. that that I can wheel into a restaurant and use, or to a keg party, or whatever the case may be. Um, the barrels themselves never really. They don't leave. They don't leave the the brewery. There's no. There's not many things anymore. I mean, it used to be a thing. You know, wooden barrel, kind of crack it open thing. Uh, but now it's one of those things where that's just a measurement of of, of gallons. Um, so the micro beer thing is is dead. It's a dead. It's a dead theory. Um, a lot of the craft breweries, um, you know, like a la Pete's Wicked Ale and these other brands, they you know, they were considered a micro brewery because they were owned by a larger brewery. But they're producing much less, and then it goes in. There is actually standards um, below. You know, there's like brew pub. Like everyone in town probably has a local brew pub now, and that usually dictates. You have a brew pub license. It dictates how many how many gallons you sell or your percentage of dollars sold out the door versus what you're consuming on site. Things like that. There's also um, referred to as contract brewing, which there's a lot of companies now that are still doing that. Um, doesn't necessarily make you not craft. That's one of those things that makes you uh, outsource your product. So think of a large commercial kitchen baking your, you know, cookies or whatever it is for a restaurant. Contract brewing happens way more than people know. Oh, well, oh, well more so. And there's even actually small craft brewers who are considered, you know, an independent or a traditional craft brewery that are outsourcing all that stuff for a bottling line or for a canning yeah. line. Happens all the time. I mean, there's, I mean, I, I know for a fact there is a brewery in San Jose that's currently doing 90% of the capacity of a San Francisco based brewery. Everyone talks about how it's a San Francisco brewery, but man, all their stuff's coming out of San Jose and it's not being done by them. It's being overseen by them. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that the, the product would be bad. The right. beer's not bad. It just is what it is, which leads me to my next, my next point. Um, at one point, McDonald's only had one store, right? The burgers, I'm sure the burgers have changed between now and then. Which, you know, to go back even further than that, you know that they started that store because they owned the property and they wanted to figure out a way to make the property work for them. So then they got into it as, they, they got into it to basically uh, as property moguls. They didn't go in as restaurant guys. Right. They just found a need, right, and then used the property that they owned. And now they, most McDonald's owns the property that they're on. Right, even the franchises. Really? Yeah, it's I don't pretty know wild. That part of it. Well, it's it's one of those things where you know at some point, you know, I remember Starbucks had a has a the first location in Seattle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure you know Round Table Pizza has their place, and it's and in my opinion, you know, there's there's a lot of there's there's different opinions, um, and you know it's I I first off I I think that the beer business and the beer industry takes themselves way too seriously. Uh, I think everyone is is too focused on, you know, these rare rare uh, raw materials and the method in which they do it, and they don't they kind of shit upon these large macro breweries. Would you not? I, I apologize for interrupting, but would you say that um, the industry takes itself too seriously, or the like, or the hardcore craft beer drinker takes themselves too seriously? Well, it's a little bit of both. Because I would I would say that you know one of my favorite things about the craft beer industry. Is that you know you can get two brewers that are talking beer and doing this and that, and one brewer will say, "Yeah, why don't you come down to our facility and brew, or let's get together and do something, or why are you doing this?" Or they'll share a secret on something. Um, where like in the barbecue world, there, nobody's ever sharing secrets. It's right, you know, all these petulant children. Basically. There is there is a there is a brotherhood among thieves, right, in the yeah. beer world. However, you go to one of those places, and, and let's say, for example, um, you know, you walk into Russian River. And you order a Sam Adams Boston Lager, right? You're gonna get laughed at, right? Right? That's that's, that's who's a, gonna laugh at you though. Every, I mean, it's gonna be the, the bartenders, right? 
the brewer probably he'll say come on that's not this this isn't that kind of place we're real craft beer they're fake craft beer and it's like well no they started somewhere just like, like you someone did. would say like we only carry the good stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> right someone someone i know that would say that uh but oh, it's one of those things where you know everyone had everyone started somewhere and to me if you had a product that started i don't care if it's 2 years ago or 20 years ago your product and your passion has not changed then you're still a craft brewery and and kind of what's what spins this whole thing together is this list of of uh men's journal put out this story about you know hey these are the 27 surprising corporate brewers that own the beer you like today and the first thing i thought of i was reading this thing um got a chance i was on the can but it was one of those things i'm like really like why would you want to shame somebody for drinking what they like it's just yeah. one of those things like i you know i don't care if you if you like blue moon guess what it's owned by miller coors it has this gigantic brewery attached to it and it's available in 50 states in the United States. It's available internationally. It's one of those things where this is a product that's it's huge. But if you like it, then what's the difference? It's, it, right. it started off at literally the Sandlot Brewery. The owner, Keith, is he's a weirdo. I've sat and talked with him. Trust me, he's a strange dude. But it started off with a, with a really, really good idea. And it became popular. And this, you know, you, you brought up the fact that this is much like bandwagon fandom. For, uh, which, for sports teams. Which is, yeah, I think that's a great angle. And just to interrupt, um, we have the, the Warriors-Spurs game on in the background. Yes. And we have played nine, almost almost a full eight minutes of basketball at this point. And the, the game is 11-10. to 10. It has been atrocious offensive basketball. Really well played defensively, but man, has it been tough to watch. Good thing I got you to listen to. Absolutely. In any case, go on. So, um, we, so we, we you were comparing it to... Well, it, like bandwagon you fandom. mentioned as far as bandwagon fans, you made a great direct correlation with, you know, hey, just because this is new and hot um, doesn't necessarily make it. Now everyone's getting on the, on the bandwagon. Everyone's going to love it. Now it's not cool because everyone likes it. Well, what I think is, you know, great, you know, great brands, you know, Blue Moon, we'll use Blue Moon as an example, right? Because I, you know, I wasn't drinking beer back when it was still super small, right? Um, you know, great brands are great and big breweries take notice, big companies take notice and they buy the brand out the brand then right. gets more exposure so more people are drinking it but you could you could argue that there are listen and listen there are brands that basically basically get sold out or that basically their quality is lessened when they get purchased by bigger absolutely brewers. but using blue moon as an example it's a great beer you know it's a great brand miller course takes notice they buy them right the brand stays the same the beer stays the same they are they get more exposure the beer is the same there's more exposure, so automatically they get dismissed as being too big, right. right? It's just like great teams, great teams win. When they win, they get exposure. When they get exposure, now anyone who watches them is obviously just a bandwagon fan. It's the same idea. It's just this right. anything that is there's a little hipster in everyone. If it's too mainstream, <laughs> but you the, know, it can't be good. Right. But the difference with this is that, you know, there's obviously like you mentioned, there's some brands that go out there and, and they sell their name, knowing that they are now going to be brewed, and I'm not saying they're not overseeing the the production, but there's a big difference in the quality. There's a big difference in who they are, and there's you know there's obviously some big breweries that go out there, and I'm not saying any big brewery is, is not guilty of this, but they're going in there with the intention of, of driving the price down and diluting the waters, right? So the idea is that everything's on. So when you go to a, a Safeway and you see there's a, a coupon, not so much in California today, but a year ago today, you go somewhere and see, okay, there's a $4 off this 12-pack. You know, couponing was legal at this time last year. It's not anymore. Or scan backs, however you want to refer to it in the industry, right? right? So there's basically there'd be an incentive for the for the, the Safeway, the Wally's Liquor, whatever store it was, would be able to well, they would mail in coupons and send it back, and they would be able to collect the dollar that they're giving off, the discount right. they're getting off. So you see these massive displays and all this crazy shit going on. But ultimately, um, it was, you know, these are all funded by Big Beer. Right. So that you could go in there and say, AB could say, hey, please put this Kona longboard lager on for $11, a 12-pack, knowing damn well that the next thing closest to it is $16.99. Right. So they're going to be the low-priced leader going in this thing, but it's not coming out of Kona's pocket. It's coming out of Big Beer's pocket. So that's their way of... of of, of of channeling this to where they're trying to dilute the the, the segment. Uh, I'm not saying that 
every brand is destined to do that. But every brand, there's some, there's a certain bit of that with every brand. Yeah. So, of I, I just don't think necessarily, and I'll uh, use the the constellation, you know, the ballast point. Yeah. Uh, even though they missed with that Dorado, the you know the, just because they were bought by Constellation, <laughs> That's Constellation's fault. Yeah. God damn it, Constellation! I knew it. It tastes like a Modelo with watermelon. But <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where, you know, just because they purchased them, it doesn't mean they're going to go out and absolutely just now. If the product changes, if the beer changes, and all of a sudden they have a you know Ballast Point Chilada twenty four ounce can, well, that's a different story. But that's well, that's what Constellation does. Well, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's. You have the list of the breweries in front of you, right? Let's go through the list real this quick. This is this is no. Do you want to play like guessing game, or do you want me to just rattle off? Um, I let's just go ahead and rattle them off because I, I think all right. I, I I will probably know a few you, of them. You, I'm sure you know. Yeah, ninety to ninety-seven percent. Yeah, so that's not fun for anybody. So right. let's just rattle them off. So and- Ten Barrel Brewing, recently acquired by ABI Anheuser Busch, Ballast Point. We just mentioned uh, Constellation. Does it give like lists of when it was purchased? No. Okay. Uh, Blue Moon is obviously Miller Coors. Right. We mentioned that earlier. Blue Point Brewing. Ooh. With- Ooh, look at his hand, dude. Oh. oh, that's not good. Holy moly. They are showing Marcus Aldridge's hand. He has had some sort of finger sprain or dislocation, and it is disgusting. Oh, wow. wow. And he's back in the game, though. Look at him taped up. Back ready in to the roll. game. What a man. What a um, man. Next to that, uh, Blue Point Brewing, uh, which is another uh, Anheuser-Busch. Uh-oh, he's going back out. Breckenridge. Anheuser Busch, Camden Town, which is a UK only brand, is Anheuser Busch. Um, there is a Brazilian beer, Cervejaria uh, Colorado, um, and there's another one, Dundee Brewing, which is uh, NAB, which is North American Breweries, uh, owns Pyramid as well, which that's on the list as well. What happened to those guys? They got gobbled up by them. So NAB owns like Seagram's, Magic Hat. Pyramid and Dundee. Wow. So look at that on your shelf and tell me who's winning that fight. <laughs> um, Elysian Brewing is owned by ABI. Uh, Fordham Dominion, I've never heard of. Founders, which is uh, 30% owned by San Miguel Breweries. Welcome to the Philippines. Four Peaks, ABI. Golden Road, ABI. Goose Island, ABI. Kona, ABI. Are you getting the, the theme here? Yeah. <laughs> um, Lagunitas, obviously, 50% by Heineken. Line and Kugel, uh, which is out of uh, Chippewa Falls, is owned by Miller Coors. Uh, Magic Hat, which is, again, NAB, North American Breweries. Um, that Magic Hat number nine is nice. I like that beer. Oh, Magic Hat number nine is great. Yeah. And they actually, have, they have really good beer. Uh, Mendocino Brewing is actually under the United Breweries Group. I had no idea, and that's a brand I sell. I had no idea really? that they were owned by a bigger a uh, bigger partner who's also old, owns the old Saratoga Brewing, which I believe is out of the Midwest. I want to say there's a brewery out there. I'll look that up and find out. Um, uh, McTarnahan's, remember that beer? Yep. That's Portland Brewing Company. That's also owned with the Seagram's uh, Pyramid Group. Um, Red Hook Brewery, which I didn't know they were still making beer. It's still owned by ABI. Uh, St. Archer out of uh, San Diego. That's a Miller Coors acquisition. Although I did talk to one of their, uh, with our, the trade show we had. Yeah. Um, one of their corporate guys, and he's like, you know, quite honestly, he's like, we deal with one person, and they invested a ton of money, and we haven't made any changes, and we're still brewing at the same facility, and no one, like none of the other breweries are picking them up. So I feel like the difference is, if you notice, this list is very heavily skewed towards uh, Anheuser Busch. Their goal is they go in, they buy it, and they can now just, you know, essentially go into their distribution network and brew it at any one of their 14 facilities. Whereas I feel like Miller Coors, like, invests, and they take a smaller ownership stake, but they also let them still brew at their places, things like that. I mean, I know people say, well, that's uh, whatever. Like, it's still a, a, a sellout, but... Really, like, if you're still so two years ago, you were a craft beer, you were doing really well. Three years ago, you can afford to keep the lights on, and you're still brewing the same place, making the same decisions, and you have a bigger backer behind you. And yeah. now you're not cool. I just that doesn't yeah. make sense to me. The last two, Shock Top Widmere, obviously, who owns them, and Anheuser Busch. Um, so obviously, Anheuser Busch wins the who who owns who in this in this list of 32 things. And thank you, Men's Journal, for that list. But I also feel like this is no surprise. I just again. The definitions from Brewer Brewer Association, um, 
Brewer, yeah, brewersassociation.org. It, it, you know, you look at the different segments and all those things, and it just doesn't it doesn't always add up. And I just I just really think that again, some of the craft brewers take themselves too seriously, but I also feel like the drinker, the craft brew drinker, you know, wants to have so much angst against what's cool and what's what's working. And I get it if I'm I'm in there and I'm t- trying to take a a segment away from somebody or a shelf place away from the local guy. Because local guy, like as I mentioned, it's hard to get a bottling line. It's hard to get a canning line. That's why you're better off going to a a, a bar, right? Anywhere that's going to have beer nearby that that you can have on draft because it's easier for them to keg it than to can it or bottle it. Um, check those things out and 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 make your own conclusion. But at the end of the day, if you like it, if you drink it, I don't care if you if it's an E forty forty or something else. And it's I, I, I you know, admittedly, I tried a Red's Mango twenty four ounce can. On Tuesday night. Oh yeah, I was honestly impressed. It ha- it delivers exactly what it is. It's a it's a it's an ale with mango. I understand it's not what everyone's looking for, but there's someone looking for it. So it's just because it's if it tastes good to you, do never never be embarrassed of what you like. Same time, you know, it's just people are just are so afraid of what oh everyone else thinks. Oh my god! Oh my god! What? So Steph Curry, they're inbounding the ball to end the quarter. Right. Point five left. Steph Curry catches the ball like ninety feet away and hits the front of the rim. Oh my oh, god! So the, the score, the the score at the end of one quarter is twenty to fifteen. <laughs> oh, crazy defensive game. Oh, well, god, this crazy. is uh, it's been a crazy day. It's kind of been a crazy episode too. We don't follow a normal format. We yeah. have been kind of all over the place. Right. You know, I think the one thing I kind of take away from that list and just kind of bouncing things back and forth. Now that we're on a commercial break, you can be involved in this conversation. No, no, no. <laughs> but the one thing that I the one thing that I, I, I take away from that conversation and the list uh, yes, is really yes, that, yes. Um, you know, we've said this before. When we had the conversation about Ballast Point is that the only time you should be concerned with this stuff is if the quality of the product changes. And if you are the type of person that allows, you know, the label to cloud your view of the quality in the bottle, well then, you know, fuck you. <laughs> you know, you're part of the problem. Right. Right? You're part of the problem. These guys, brewers get into it. It's their passion. We all would be lucky to be able to utilize our passions and our arts to make a living. So, Well, it's, I mean, let's, let's put it into perspective. If, if we walked in today and, you know, Clear Channel Media offered us a million dollars to keep doing what we're doing today, I mean, it's not like, yeah. you know, yeah, we're going to have some advertising, but at the same day, like, we get to do what we get to do. I don't know. I just, I, and it's not, you can call it a sellout. You can call it whatever you want, but man, it just, I just, I just don't like the people who are just against it just because. People who get upset, Patton Oswalt has a great line. He says, uh, people get who get upset about selling out are just people who don't have anything to sell. There you go. You know, that nobody has, or has things that nobody wants to buy. Right. So. Totally. Well said. Thank yeah. you, Patton. He's a great comedian, by the way. He's a phenomenal comedian. Um, yeah. That being said, I mean, we had some beer. We had some fun. Uh, listen up. We're going to be uh, talking about more sports meets and beer, but also uh, we're going to we're going to put a definitive date down on this uh, the the Frankfurter and the Hammer Sandwich showdown. The Hammer versus the Fenway Frank. Uh, if anybody is interested in attending and trying and sampling and giving your opinion, if you want to don't if you don't want to be on the air, that's fine. But please reach out to us by any of our seventeen methods. Between social media and email, all these things, like we really want to host Carrier people. Pigeon. Like, believe it or not, we'll 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 actually buy you a beer, and we will, will. give you with. Well, it's on her expense. Boot will buy you the beer. Um, but we'll we'll recreate the food. Like we'll we'll find a way to get you there. So it's one of those things where I feel like we have a lot of our friends listening, and no one really wants to be, like be the first person to raise their hand. But as soon as someone raises their hands, they're gonna have a great time. Yeah, I agree. You know, speaking of having a great time, we also have uh, another little special episode we're gonna be doing. We have uh, Battle of the Brews this weekend. Ooh. Yeah, we're going to be doing that, you know, because I have to do one more day of work, and then I'm going to take another day off. <laughs> <laughs> the grind, the uh, four hours before you call it a day. It doesn't end. Uh, but, yeah, the Battle of the Brews is in uh, Santa Rosa. It's kind of the big uh, beer kickoff festival. Uh, the Active 2030 Club puts that on. Um, so if you're listening to this, this uh, should be a Friday. You have one more day to buy your ticket. Get in there. I believe it's $55 general admission. We actually will be on site. We have a table there. Uh, if you don't want to uh, raise your hand for the uh, the Hammer Sandwich slash Fenway Frank competition, just come by and say hi. We will have a microphone that looks to be plugged in but won't be. 
come by and say hello to us, please. Or maybe it will look to not be plugged in, but it will be. Ooh. <laughs> well cur- played. What a curveball. What a curmudgeon. Oh, my goodness. All right. Anyways, yeah, we're, we're wrapped up. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it so much, more than you can imagine. Into the meandering, crazy mess of a day that this has <laughs> oh been. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, Thanks anyways. for listening. We'll catch up with you next week. All right, take care.